Welcome to Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal Dietrich. Sal, how are you today? Ed, my man, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Look, uh, you know, every week on this show, we feature guests who, you know, are, are just, at, you know, people, I don't want to call them average people, but, you know, regular people in, in the community who are just doing incredible acts of grace. Uh, you know, and uh, folks like Larry Thompson, an Arlington fireman, you know, a guy who in his late 40s, you know, took a trip to Haiti, uh, you know, met some children on island there who were literally starving and, and told a woman who said, look, I'm going to come back and feed these kids. And today feeds and educates 240 children uh, on an island there. And in his least of these foundation, you know, a man, Milton Brown, who we had on the show, uh, a man who struggled with addiction for 37 years and, and homelessness you know, now spends most of his own time and money ministering to the poor at Union Station. Today, uh, you know, we're blessed to have a woman on the show who, you know, left college, started a family, became the mother of 11 children. I got to tell you, as the sixth of seven, I got a lot of appreciation for that. Uh, you know, never gave up her dream of getting a degree and, and really took that to the nth degree. She received a graduate, uh, graduated from Harvard with a master's in international relations commuted 2,000 miles each way. We talk about commuting for an hour here uh, in the D.C. area and all the pains of that, you know, every week for semesters, uh, you know, and today is a recognized speaker, uh, you know, in the satellite industry. It just, uh, I, yeah, I can tell you, you know, you and I went back forth with Allison Renault. Her emails made me feel exhausted, the things that she's been able to accomplish in her life. Yes, Allison Renault started college at the University of Oklahoma back in 1979, but left school after her sophomore year to start a family. She was a stay-at-home mom for 20 years when she started a business called Victory Gymnastics in 2000, which grew from one athlete, one of her daughters, to as many as 500 athletes in a given year. In 2009, when her youngest daughter turned five, Allison made an appointment with an OU advisor to honor the commitment she made to herself many years before to return to college. And after graduating with a bachelor's degree in communications, she was determined to do even more, so she enrolled at Harvard. And she's graduated with her master's degree this past May. So congratulations, Allie, and welcome to Grayson 30. Thank you so much, Ed and Sal. It's an honor to be here. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I, I was just exhausted reading your emails. I mean, uh, wow, we got a lot to talk about, you know, including this world-class gymnast place that, uh, you know, would make Bella Caroli uh, jealous. I mean, talk about putting your energy and finding your higher purpose and, and, and just never giving up and moving forward. But you know, look, if my math is correct, you know, you returned to school, I think about 28 years later, uh, you know, from starting your family. What were those first days, you know, and weeks like back on campus? I mean, what, what were you filled with? Just enthusiasm, maybe anxiety? I mean, what were you going through doing that, that first big transition for you? Well, I have to admit, I was terrified. And walking into class with 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20, they had laptops and they were so efficient uh, with technology, and seriously, the only thing I was good at was pen and paper, writing things down. So I was a little bit different, and um, I felt very frightened. So I just kept pushing forward and just had friends around me that encouraged me and had some faith, and, and it turned out great. Yeah, how, how you know did you balance this? I mean, home and work? I mean, look, I... You know, my wife and I are pretty busy. I mean, I've got three little kids at home and, and PTA and Little League and all that stuff, the laundry list that everyone here in the D.C. area just sort of crams our life into. And yet, you know, you're commuting 2,000 miles for classes. I mean, how did you do this? 
Well, I think that um, I was aware that, you know, I had one shot and one chance. And when I first went to visit Harvard and go to the campus, I didn't even have the money to, to fly up there to take a look and, and go to an orientation. I actually had to borrow frequent flyer points from someone. I had to borrow Marriott rewards points to stay at a hotel. And I really didn't even have enough money the first night I arrived at midnight at Boston Logan Airport to spend the night. So I spent the night next to the to the metro station. And um, I know that sounds you know unusual, but I think when you have a dream and it's something so deep in your heart that you want to do, that you find a way. That's right. How many people would have would, would let any little thing kind of stop us, especially you know, and, and it, uh, you know just the incredible belief that you had in yourself and and uh, you know the drive to move forward. I think is really inspirational. So stepping back about 10 years from that, you told me an interesting story about how your gymnastics business got started, and I was hoping you'd uh, share a little bit of that with uh, the listeners. I think when when something is dropped in your heart, you know, sometimes all the ingredients you need to put it together are not there. And what happened with me is I had 10 children, and I believe it was October the 6th of 2000, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I just felt like I was getting a sort of a message that I was supposed to start a gymnastics facility that was world-class, try to produce Olympic athletes. And, you know, my first thoughts were three things. One, I've never done gymnastics. Number two, I've never coached gymnastics. And number three, I've got 10 kids and I don't have the money. That's four things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the money to do this. And so I just said, you know, and for me, you know, my faith that I have is in God. Some people have faith in different areas, but this is what works for me. And I just said, God, if this is you, um, I, I, I say yes, and I just ask that you would um, provide everything that I have need of. And I got a phone call just a few days later from a man in Chicago. And this man called, he and his wife, and they said, thank you so much for the things that you did for our son about a year ago. He came back to Chicago, a brand new person, and um, we just want to say thank you. And I said, oh, okay. And I, I'd only met this person once before. And this dad said, um, could you use some money to help other kids like you helped our son? And I said, of course. And he said, well, I was vice president of United Airlines, and my wife and I want to send you $325,000 to help uh, other children like you help our son. Could you do that? Could you? And I said, yes. And it was just a miracle that I'd never seen more than $300 laying on a table before. And uh, they sent me this money, and I used it to open up Victory Gymnastics, and that's how it got started. And it just started, it was successful from the beginning. So it wasn't some incredible campaign. It was actually sort of this selfless act of grace. And it turned out that, you know, this person happened to have connections to someone very prominent who felt compelled through your actions to sort of make a difference. I think it's very important when people come across your path that that they need help. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, what they look like or what their circumstances are. You never know when you show grace to someone what it's going to lead to. And it's very important. You know, who would have known that this this young man that I helped had a father that was vice president of United Airlines? I had no clue. So, you know, it's always good to to help others. You never know when it'll come back to you. Also, that the your partner in the business. How did you get to meet him? Well, he was a prominent Olympic coach in Oklahoma City, and it helped coach Shannon Miller, and he'd become a Christian, and he wanted to um, instill moral values into children while he taught them gymnastics, so he came on board with me, and he taught me how to coach. And, and we're still together today coaching. It's, it's always a joy to work together. So really got everything you need. Of course, there was also the matter of 
uh, managing the children while you're also working, and how did you do that? Well, the good news is that um, nine of my 11 children are girls, and so I could bring them with me to work, and several of them became uh, incredible gymnasts, and not everyone was a gymnast. Some were swimmers, and some were violin players, and some were cheerleaders, but several were gymnasts. And so one thing's for sure, everybody learned how to do a Randolph back handspring back tuck. <laughs> That's right. That's how you got your dinner. <laughs> That's, right. That's how you got to the dinner table. Two back, two back flips, and you made it to your That's chair. That's right. Free food. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just amazing, you know, the, 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 this again, this sort of relationship with this coach. I think, you know, we keep in this, I think, in this country, looking for sort of big ways to solve a lot of problems. And one of the things Ed and I always talk about is this: these simple acts of grace, and how. You know, there's so much bitterness and sort of frustration across the country. You can feel it. You really feel it in the air and in the news. And yet, you know, just so, something simple like maybe just going down the street and, and talking to an elderly neighbor that no one talks to. You know, these simple acts have very powerful uh, repercussions. And, and you're just an amazing example, a luminary of all of that. Look, I want to switch for a minute and talk about, you know, how you felt drawn to go to Harvard how you paid for Harvard, you know, the expenses of this. I mean, again, this is another monumental undertaking. It's just incredible. I I have kind of a feeling inside of myself that I don't want to go into a lot of debt. Uh, I don't like debt. It puts a lot of pressure on you. So when I, um, when I kind of had this, well, I was just praying really for a couple of years. God, could you do more with my life? I hope you can do more with my life. I do love raising my family, and I do love coaching, but I feel like there was something missing. And finally, the message came one day, go back to Harvard. And I thought, was that last night's pizza? Uh, <laughs> and I um, I just decided to go ahead and try and pursue it. I had a really hard time just calling Harvard, calling the admissions office. It took me two weeks to get the courage just to make the phone call because I didn't feel worthy to call such a, a university like that. And they were kind and gracious and helpful. And the first time I applied, I got the rejection letter, which was like, Oh, devastating. It's like it couldn't be what I was supposed to do hmm. because I ran into this huge obstacle. And a friend of mine says, "Try again, try again." Wow. So I I did try again. And um, after I visited there, I was just sure that's where I was supposed to go. And I came back home. And again, I had like four kids in college, so it wasn't possible for me to have any money for for school or for tuition. But I decided I would. I, I think the neat thing is there's a Bible verse that says, "I am the way, I am the truth." I am the life. He is the way. And when there is no way, he can make a way. And I've always believed that. And so I went to um, a, a couple, a business, a business plan, a businessman, and I just asked, I told them what I wanted to do. And I told them how much it would cost. And I decided I have nothing to lose. I'm going to ask for everything. I'm going to ask for tuition. I'm going to ask for books. I'm going to ask for airfare. I'm going to ask for the hotel. Why not? Because all they can do is say no. And if they say no, go to the next person and ask. And I hate to ask. Who wants to ask for money? That's so hard. But I really didn't have any choice. And before I could even hardly get the sentence out of my mouth, they said yes. And I said, yes, do you understand it's going to be like a flight every week for three years? And they're like, yes. And um, so they funded, um, this this company funded my my complete um, experience. And the good news is I have lots of frequent flyer miles now. Yeah, <laughs> and what do you think drew them to that? I mean, what you're talking about, you know, is an, I think, again, gets back to this sort of idea that, you know, while we hear of all this sort of pent-up frustration and, and, and rage in the United States, there's also a lot of pent-up good in this country that isn't getting exposed. And so, you know, you, you enabled these people to have an act of grace, to simply 
respond in a graceful way that they were probably always wanting to do, uh, but maybe hadn't done or had done for a few people. But, you know, the idea that that we can't help each other, right, that we, we in fact, can't resolve a lot of our problems is, is false. I mean, what are your thoughts on that in, in respect to this? I mean, what, what sort of motivated these folks to help you out? I think that people want to fund others that want to get their education, especially women in education. I found there was a lot of grace from professors and from, you know, people in the academic world. They, they seem to, to encourage you everywhere I turned, and I think this was the same. They wanted to see a woman get their education. People want to empower women. So when we talked on the phone, um, we talked a little bit about purpose, higher purpose. Um, and it just seems like you were really drawn uh, to go back to school first, to start the gymnastics business, then to go back to school. It, what, what do you think? I mean, we certainly, you've been a mom. That's one of your higher purposes for many years now. But what do you think you're, you're, you're growing into right now? Where do you think you're heading? And, and there doesn't have to be certainly a final answer to this, but you know, what sort of higher purposes have you had during your life, and where do you think you're heading now? Well, I think, obviously, my first purpose was to raise my kids. Um, I, it teaches you to put others first. There was lots of laundry, lots of work, and lots of food to be cooked, and lots of cleaning to do. And there was, uh, you had to become a master at time management. And you, you know, I also had the experience of raising many different kinds of different personalities. And so I think it, I think somehow raising a lot of kids grooms you to be a better person. It shaves off all your rough edges, makes you more patient, more tolerant, and because everyone's very different. Um, but as far as higher purpose, I. I, you know, I don't know, only heaven knows exactly where I'm going to end up. It does seem that the door has opened into, into the space industry. I have worked at NASA headquarters and at the FAA Commercial Space Flight Office in the last year, and uh, it just seems like maybe the door has opened for me to be involved in the space industry. So I get the sense you, you not only are you a mom and a coach, but you seem to be a role model for women, and especially people who have gone through some life and, and may have had a dream that seemed to get extinguished, but now... You know, they want to get back and pursue it somehow. Is, is that, that seems to be something you're really here to do. Well, I, I will say this. I'm just an ordinary woman that's kind of hooked up to an extraordinary God, and he makes me better than I am. And I know that it's, um, you know, you have to put in the work and you have to put in the effort, but when you have someone meeting you halfway and partnering with you, it makes, makes all the difference. That's actually a good segue into the next question because um, clearly faith has played a role in your journey, and uh, I... I heard in your Today Show interview that you, you kick off each day reading the scriptures. Um, are, are there certain core scriptures that are really moving you these days, things that are, that are sort of carrying you through difficult times and, and when things are challenging? Well, I think um, you have to have inspiration. You know, we're, we are a human body who needs food, but we have a soul that needs, needs food too. And so everyone needs inspiration, I think especially early in the morning. And for me, it is the Bible. And so there's three things I do when I wake up. I The first thing I do is I do read my Bible, and that's what inspires me. And again, it might be something else for, for, for you, the listener. But the second thing I do is I go for a jog. I try to you know, keep my body fit also every single day. And then I try to you know, execute what I've, the messages that I got for the day. And for me, um, I think the Bible verse that's coming to me right now is um, being a Christian – I try to um, put God first and look at his example. I'm not perfect by any means. I just try to follow examples. And it talked about how Jesus woke up every single morning and went to a solitary place and he prayed. And for me, that's that's been the secret to uh, the, the little success that I've had is is trying to get away, be alone, and pray and ask God for help every day. 
Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. And uh, it, it sounds like you were just trusting in that and, and seeking in him. I, I know that's personally what I've gone through in the past several years because I've been running a business that's you know just trying to get it up and running and people talk to me and say you got to do this and you got to do that and i think well you know really i only have to do one thing i have to pursue him and and try to live in according to those principles and, and i'm going to be okay um let's take a brief uh station identification here to give ali a break for a couple moments uh, you're listening to grace and 30 on w-e-r-a-l-p arlington 96.7 fm we're talking to Allison Renault, the mother of 11 children, who went back to school after a 28-year hiatus and received a degree recently this past May from uh, Harvard University, a master's degree after getting a bachelor's degree from the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, look, Ali, I've got to tell you, I, I am just so impressed with you. You know, my wife and I always stay at, talk at night, and you know, she says, oh, I want to go back and get my PhD. I want to do this. I want to do that. And she's got a master's and, and three kids. And you know, is accomplished in her field. And, you know, I, I just give you so many kudos for just pushing forward with these things and, and you know, your faith, but never having doubt that, that you know, at, at any age, at any time, we, we can seek our higher purpose. You know, y- you grew up as an only child. Is that correct? I was an only child. <laughs> yeah. And, and did you ever, uh, in your wildest dreams, think you, you would have 11 children? I mean, I, you know, I'm the sixth of seven, you know, I, I remember thinking after we had children, you know, asking my parents not how they had 11 or seven, but why they had seven. You know, I was, <laughs> couldn't believe it. You know, I said, my God, you know, I had so much respect for my parents after after that. You know, w- what are the highs and lows of, of that? And, and, you know, maybe give a word to parents because, you know, here in the D.C. area, we're go, go crazy. You know, we got two working parents. We got traffic that keeps us on the road, sometimes an hour and a half. We got soccer baseball blah 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 grades uh you know this and that that just you know this is one of the most stressed out areas in the united states for parents it's 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 well proven what are some of the highs and lows of raising that many kids and and maybe just a few thoughts for parents in our area well one thing is i do want to say is the 11 children all have the same dad (laughs) i always like to get that in somewhere (laughs) (laughs) you know in this day and age it's it's important to teach your children to develop and uh Dale and I always took the time to find the best coach, the best situation for every single one of our kids, and we did put them first, and we put our dreams on hold to make sure that they had the very best training in whatever area they were gifted, and it is a sacrifice, and it's worth it. It's worth it to drive your kids to soccer practice and fold your laundry in the back of your SUV or you know, catch up on your study time or whatever you need to do. Uh, you, you are on the go a lot, but it will pay off. And when you invest in your kids, it's the very best investment, you know, you could ever make. And one day after you're done investing in them, it'll be time for you to put yourself first. That's right. My son always says, Dad, I'm going to build a big house in Florida and you can come live with me. And I'm like, son, how do I make that dream a reality? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I understand, uh, you know, you were recently in Israel. Is that correct? Yes, I was. God, it's hard to keep track of you. You're just a whirlwind. I'll tell you. Tell us uh, why you were there, uh, some highlights from that trip. Well, I, as I told you, I was um, wanting, uh, it seemed like some doors were opening into the space industry. And I attended a, a, a NASA-sponsored um International Space University in Montreal in 2014, where they bring in some of the top people from around the world to teach people from around the world uh, that are involved in the space industry um, everything you ever wanted to know, and um, so that's that's uh, uh, how I ended up being involved with International Space University. And then they wanted to bring me on staff, so I taught for them in the summer of 2015 last year, and then each year they have it in a different country. So this year it was in Israel, and so it led me there to teach. Um, 
how to do a space startup, how to start a business in the space space world. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and um, you know, while you were there, I think you you also mentioned you know you you had some time to kind of explore some of the sites and maybe reflect a little bit on your faith, and it was kind of neat just to be there, right? It's always great to be in Israel, and uh, for me, that's the you know where I where my the my religion started, you might say, where where Christianity sort of began, and uh, I that my dorm where I stayed was on the top of Mount Carmel, which is basically I think where the story of Elijah happened, and that was just kind of neat to see that see the the ge- geography and and what the what the Middle East was like. Also frightening in Israel, there's a bomb shelter everywhere you turn. There's a bomb shelter in every dorm room, everywhere you turn. So it's a uh, you know it's it's under threat all the time. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I, I went to a conference recently and they had a few uh, Israeli soldiers talking there, and someone raised their hand and said to them, you know, gosh, with everything I see on the news, it's is it safe to come travel to Israel? And they were like, well, when we watch CNN, we wonder, is it safe to travel in the U.S.? Absolutely. Because of everything that's been happening. But they've been living with, with sort of a constant terror threat for, for many, many years, which has really just kind of come on to us in the last 10, 15 years, I guess, mainly since 9-11. Um, and you do a lot more traveling besides that. I mean, I, I think you've been to Europe and some other places. You just got back from Florida. Uh, there was a launch recently, and you returned from... So when we talked a little bit on the phone, you mentioned uh, sort of maybe taking a little break, pulling back. You still do have two children at home, correct? Mm-hmm, that's I correct. I guess they're 12 and 16. So you're heading back uh, to Oklahoma tomorrow. And uh, so so are, are you sort of recharging at this point and sort of uh, looking for that next thing? or? Well, it sounds like because I travel a lot, I probably have lots of money. But the fact is, like I told you, I have lots of frequent flyer miles. <laughs> and that gives me the ability to be nimble and to do some things, um, some opportunities that come up. I'm able to travel and go there. Um, yes, I am going. I went back to Oklahoma when I finished uh, Israel just to recharge. Kind of been on the road going to school for almost five years, uh, back and forth to Boston all the time and into D.C. here to work at NASA. And uh, I just needed some time to – I think everyone gets to a point of burnout and we're human and we can't operate at a high level all the time sometimes you have to take a break and put yourself first and then you can recharge and you can reconnect with your your family and your friends and and those are those people that are most important to you good for you yeah you know it's interesting in in there's always this sort of self-doubt and you know someone was asking us today actually we were we were uh, interviewed by a reporter this this afternoon and she said had you guys ever been in the radio before and Ed and I looked at each other and said, "No, we've never done this before," and and it shows, unfortunately, in our, in our ratings <laughs> and from our guests. But um, you know, it, and, and she was sort of saying like, "Well, how could you do this?" You know, and and we're a small example of that. In fact, Ed, you and I need to commit to take up something extra after this. I don't know if it's paddle boarding, uh, something. Maybe we'll fly out and do some gymnastics out in Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't know, but I think you and I are slouching. Yeah, I feel really lazy oh, right I, now. I'm very, very lazy. <laughs> um, look, you know, some people would look at you and say, "Well, sh- sure, she can do it." You know, she's a dynamo, but I don't have that dynamo gene in me. And you know, what what uh, what advice do you have for? Um, you know, for for moms, uh, you know, for for single moms, uh, you know, who are, are trying to push forward in 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 these areas. I mean, any sort of general thoughts? Um, you know, how how can people kind of overcome that? Uh, even even accomplished people at times, I think, just say, you know, m- maybe enough's enough, or maybe I, I you know I can't do that. But yet, someone's going to do it. You know, that's what I always sort of think. Someone's going to be on the show, so why not Ed and I? You know, I. Well, I think, um, well, first of all, I am a single mom now, and I know how hard it is to struggle to get everything done. And But 
you know, you basically become the juggler. You're, you're like juggling all these balls in the air all the time. And but you know, the juggler is the most uh, popular show at the circus. So, you know, it's fun to be a juggler. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's uh, right. I also think that doing things that are uncomfortable and awkward and keeps you humble, like when you're kind of challenged to do something new, makes you afraid. I think that's good for us, and that's where we meet new people and learn new skills we never had before. And if if you don't feel afraid, then you probably aren't growing because it's good to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. Yeah, and I'm sure you've you've you know you've hit bottom a couple of times. We all do. You know, we come home and we're upset, and we say something to the kids or our spouse, or you know, uh, you know, what what do you think helps pick you up in those moments? I mean, is it is it is it a time for prayer? Is it a time for just you know, your own determination? I mean, what, what what sort of helps you get through those tough spots? Well, I think we all hit bottom, and I certainly have. I've I've lost my health before, where I've been bedridden for a year and thought I'd never, like, get up and run again. I've hit bottom financially. I've hit, I hit bottom in my, my marriage, you know, and um, it, you know, you do hit bottom, and that that's where you find out who your friends are and who's going to help you and who's going to stick by you. And it, it really points out how, how you're really nothing without your friends and your family around you and other people. And I think it's good to, um, to know that you have those kind of people around. And it, it just takes one good friend to help you out of a pit. Very, very good point. Uh, you're making me think about uh, my church where I go. They talk about the three C's, which are Christ, community, and compassion. And community is so critically important. I've learned that over the last eight or nine or ten years uh, since I got divorced and, and just how I didn't have good uh, Christian men friends who, who, if when I was complaining about my marriage, would have stepped in and said, hey, listen, uh, guy, you, uh, we're not going to complain with you. We're going we're gonna to call you to task. We're going to tell you what you need to be aware of and, and try to steer you in the right direction. So uh, that's truly needed. Um, I've got a couple more questions, but I think I'm going to hop to the last question now because we've got about four minutes, well, actually three minutes yeah. left. Um, but I do want to ask you about a call to action or calls to action that you might want to issue to our listeners because I know you've got a, a tremendous amount of wisdom to share and experience. And uh, you know, please, what, what would you like to share with our listeners? What would you like to challenge them to do? Um, please share. Well, I don't know if I'm that wise, but I was reading on the Internet recently The Regrets of the Dying. And there was a lady who worked in, a, I believe it was a cancer ward, where she kept track of people's dying regrets for about 14 years. And then she made a list of them. And you know what the number one regret was? I would have never guessed. I would have thought, which was going to make me feel really guilty, I didn't spend enough time with family and friends. But the number one regret, regret was I didn't do the things I n- should have done because of the opinions of other people. Yeah. Uh, well. And, you know, um, it's hard to it's hard to make changes. Not only is it hard for you to make the change or to go back to school or, you know, work in the PTA or get a different job or something like that. It's hard because people criticize you, and the problem is the criti- criticism usually comes from the people that are closest to you. So sometimes you just have to just, you know, say you got to put yourself first and not. I don't want you any of you to ever go to your grave with any regrets. You give it all you got. I started going back to school when I was 50 years old. So if I can do it, you can do it. And there's always, there's always a, an opportunity for a second chance. And when it comes around, grab it and go for it. That's so true. I mean, in a couple of weeks, we have a, a group, uh, Ignatius Volunteers, coming on. And they're, they're a group of people over 50 who, who are retired. But instead of sort of playing golf and walking on the beach, they're, they're volunteering in inner city areas in D.C. I mean, they're hands-on in very gritty situations with homeless people, starving people. 
and they're doing it a couple of days a week. They're not sort of just in it. They're really in it forever. So, you know, at any age, at any time, you know, we can be called if we're listening, if we're open to it, to do great things or different things. Uh, I mean, your point is incredibly well taken. Yeah, I, I think about the, the scripture that says a prophet is not accepted in his own town. I mean, it's so funny, the people we know really closely, they just see us when we're little and we're carrying on and they uh, they just don't believe in us like other people do, which is kind of an amazing phenomenon. So we've only got about, I don't know, another 30 seconds. I, you know, Do you have a sense for what's next for you? I know you have this call you seem to have for the space industry. Um, what do you think is next for, for Allie Renault? Well, I just want to be part of something that's bigger than myself. You know, it's where I can feel like I live a life with purpose, that I can make my mark on the next generation and have an impact on this world, something lasting, something that will help humanity. That's what's most important to me. That's great. And and that that fits in with our whole thing of grace and a higher purpose. And, you know, we're never too late in life to, to reach out and put a hand out and help other people in a big way. Any, anything final, my Brian? No, thanks so much for joining us, Allie. We really appreciate your time. Uh, for our listeners, if you want to find out more about Allison, um, you can certainly look her up on the web. She had a Today Show interview. We'll, we'll, we'll have a link on our website uh, when we get the interview posted. Uh, we'll, that will be done hopefully within the next 24 hours after the show. Uh, next week, we're going to be hosting a woman named uh, Jacqueline Schabach. She's from Teen Kids which uh, taps into the power of children as a community resource. Really yeah. neat story. Yeah, and let me just jump in. Jacqueline is a student at uh, Washington Lee High School here in Arlington and a great example of what our youth are doing, so tune in for that one. Yes, since being founded in 2001, 100,000 children have completed what's called the Team Kids Challenge, where a group of children in a school or community are challenged to select, learn about, and contribute to a particular community effort. So this is Ed and Sal signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great day, everybody, and please be sure to tune into Grace. Good night.